0: this is austin enneagram with another episode on our austin or not austin book study good lord on our enneatype structures book study i'm lee
1: hi this is elizabeth
0: and we are doing um chapter seven which is enneatype seven
1: yes um title of this is opportunistic idealism do you like that opportunistic I idealism
0: I also wrote the one the things that stood out to me I was like oh, good. I right at the top just because I think they're fun to add to like a know your number
1: yeah that was um, my favorite thing ones... you did last time I think you should Lee it's a good it's a good
0: <laughs> it's a good thing it, yeah rebellious diplomat
1: like awesome okay I'm gonna write I'm gonna write down what you are saying rebellious diplomat that's good. I like it.
0: Variety it, it, glutton.
1: Ooh, that's good. And
0: this is not really a title for them, but I just, I think it's, it's a good subline or tagline here equals insufficient. There equals promising. Ooh, that's there's good. Their, there's their, there's their trap. That's the, here the hamster equals, wheel they're on.
1: And there equals what?
0: Promising. Promising,
1: I love mm-hmm. it. I love and then it. And
0: the other one I wrote was "cosmic," quote unquote, okayness, ha ha. which is another way of saying it's all good, right? You know. Oh, I like it. Kind of that numbing. I like it. So those were my little, little ones. I rewrote that. We'll get to at some point in the chapter.
1: And I wrote um, this is what I wrote at the top, it's inspired by you: addiction to stimulation and variability. Mm. addiction to control um unreliable narrator which is kind of negative but kind of true um and i wrote improving reality and yeah that's that's what i got those are good yeah
0: you said addiction to stimulation
1: and variability like variety is maybe better Mm -hmm. i think either one Addiction to stimulation and variety and control. I think addiction to all three of those things, stimulation, variety, and control. yeah, um and I like I like you saying rebellious diplomat because that account and to me, that encapsulates everything because they what one does not necessarily know automatically about a seven is that they are a diplomat. Like they actually really do want everybody to be okay they want everything to be okay and good and it doesn't always feel that way but that really is their motivation but then that and it's because of that that aggressiveness and that that what'd you say uh rebellious because it they're going to yeah. do it their way right which feels rebellious to us it probably doesn't even feel rebellious or to
0: them. sometimes i think for us they get the their rebellion we go along with it because they're they can be um, so sort of charming and diplomatic about it too. To- I think it
1: can be a totally. kind of a catch 22 there that, oh, yeah. um, you know, if I had a list there's... of all the things that sevens have gotten me to do, you know, yeah. like yeah. so many things. It's wild. Um, I think they're the only number that can get me to do something that I don't really want to do. Maybe. Um, okay, Great. so shall we start reading? All right, let's get into it. Okay, so we're on page uh what, 113, chapter seven. 113. Um and gluttony is their their sin. If mm-hmm. we understand gluttony more broadly, in the sense of a passion for pleasure, we may say that it is definitely is a capital sin, in as much as it implies a deviation from an individual's potential for self-actualization. Hedonism is binding upon the psyche and involves an obstacle in the search for the the summum bonum and a snare, which means the highest good. So an obstacle in the search for the highest good. Um, We may say that a weakness for pleasure constitutes a general susceptibility to temptation. Um, So... Gluttony is a passion for pleasure, but I also think like what we were saying, like our our little side titles, a stimulation, variety, a -hmm. glutton for, it's not just pleasure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and he gets into later that it's really all of it's in search of love.
1: Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like all of us substituting
0: that ontic obscuration the belief that we have what we need right Um, we're all in these weird searches
1: weird ways to get it we're all in a search for love in in these these different ways um and then he uses the word charlatanism which is an interesting word um old-fashioned word isn't it it is an old-fashioned word um the glutton is one who approaches the world through the strategy of words and good reasons one who manipulates through the intellect i think that's really important it kind of Mm -hmm. goes back to what you're saying about how diplomatic they are so charlotte charlatan in the sense that they are good at making all these things you know that they're they're going to talk us into it, and that they've got a strategy, and that they're in the head triad. So they they are, they've intellectualized all these plans and ideas so that they can talk us into it, and so they talk themselves into it.
0: Yeah, and he he goes on to say that a charlatan is also a dreamer.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed,
0: their charlatanism, <laughs> charlatanism, may be interpreted as taking dreams as reality. And that's talked about a lot with um, sevens that they, and if you go back and listen or how we talk about the aggressive number, um, that is a, another way I think of saying reshaping reality that whatever their dream is and what they want to be true um, becomes reality for them. And we
1: oftentimes go along with it because um, they're so charming um, and for, for good reason. Right. And in some sense, you could say that, you know, all the stuff I've been studying about, um, you know, your story and manifesting and like that we're living Mm -hmm. in a dream and you wake up to the fact that you're in a dream and then you decide that, you know, you're going to take control of what that is and what you think about and what your thoughts are and blah, blah, blah. So in some sense, um, a seven is kind of I don't think they're awake to doing it but they are doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like they are, they're, they're manifesting their reality, but they're not, they're doing it unconsciously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And out of that, honestly, out of a space of lack.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, that's yeah.
0: I feel like I say this all the time and people probably want to stomp on my toes, but I feel like that's what we all do. Totally. Right? That we all manifest or are trying to manifest these realities of um, like of peace of, in,
1: but so, it's so coming you, out of
0: a place that doesn't,
1: would you say that, that we can't you, trust reality? Would you say that your goal is to look for peace and that that way that you're, that the, the search for the peace and the way that you go about getting the peace comes from this lack when I'm not aware. Right. Yeah. Cause I was thinking that this week, like, because I've been trying to meditate and notice what I'm thinking. I'm like shocked at what I'm thinking about all the time. I'm so negative and so judgy all the time. Mm. And, but what it's making me aware of is that is, is my constant desire to be special And my desire to be special comes from the lack, the ontic obscuration, and the way I see it and go about it is in a system of lack. So say like I made spaghetti and meatballs and I'll do something as dumb as point out to Nathaniel, a friend of mine who made spaghetti and meatballs last week for me, how nice that mine are so much better. And then I, and then I catch myself and I'm like, yeah. why did I think that? Why did I need to say it? And it's, it's like that on a very dumb level is like me trying to be special. And it has, mm-hmm. it's at the expense of someone and something. And mm-hmm. what I'm, what I hope I can learn is that specialness doesn't involve comparison. It doesn't involve uh, involving someone else or cutting someone else down or being over or under or anything like that, you know, that it's just, and so I think we're all, I think you're right. I think we're all doing that in these nine ways. And the other Mm -hmm. thing I'm thinking, like you're always thinking is that, you know, we love Enneagram and we also are like, it's not everything. Right. Right. And so I kind of I think the more I meditate, the more I'm like, oh, any grams, not everything, you know. But what it is helping me do is it's a short. So as I'm observing my thoughts, it is shortcut language for me to see that thought Mm -hmm. and go, oh, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, there you go. Doing Mm. that special thing. Like, why are you doing that? Stop it. And I do think that is helpful. So it's not everything but it is help. Like meditation is far more uh probably crucial than Enneagram work. But Enneagram, they both help each other. Yeah, that it doesn't have
0: to be either or, but they, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Anyone. how you just talked about it is beautiful in the sense that it doesn't um it doesn't describe who you are. It just is this. It's this how you are trying to find what you need and you've become asleep to the way that you're finding what you need. So the Enneagram helps you notice that you're comparing spaghetti and meatballs and who knows how much energy you're using on something like that and how that's happening all the time. All the time. Ultimately that's not what you want. And you would hopefully have gotten there some way if you didn't know the language of the Enneagram, but how much more quickly you can observe yourself and say "Ooh, that's not actually getting me what i want right it's not helping me be whole ultimately
1: right yeah. yes okay so that was an aside but and the other thing i was thinking about charlatan which is kind of a silly aside too but um the first time i ever heard that word was in a t.s Eliot poem and it was a description of the magi um mm. and he was calling the three wise men charlatans. charlatans. And, I, and I think he was calling them charlatans in this word that the way you wait, what did he say? The dreamer person. The dreamer. Uh, the dreamer. Mm-hmm. And that they're interpreting dreams um out of reality. And so I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: and and probably not reality based in some ways. Right or um, a science or a theology or a worldview that we would necessarily trust, right? In some way, right? Right. Feels a
1: little squishy. Right. And 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 I guess that's what's kind of poignant about sevens is that you want their dreaming and you want the worlds that they imagine, but you Mm -hmm. want the the kind of honesty around that so that you can trust it and if they mm-hmm. can bring that on board then their dreams actually will have legs right mm-hmm. i don't know it's good um okay. in the next
0: paragraph he says that chazo characterized gluttony as wanting more yes. and then um Naranjo says, I leave it up to my gluttonous readers <laughs> to yeah. decide which may be the deeper interpretation. My own impression may be uh, my own impression is that though this description of character um, is logically apt, it points to an insatiability that gluttons share with the lusty. Also, Although it is true that sometimes gluttons imagine that more of the same would bring greater pleasure, it is also true that they may characteristically, but it is also true that sometimes gluttons imagine that more of the same would bring about greater pleasure. It is also true that they more characteristically are not seekers of more of the same, but romantically seekers of the remote and the bizarre seekers of variety adventure and surprise. Sorry, i butchered all of that, but so that they are looking for, um, what is it like the promises of what could be right versus more is more is more. Um, there might be some of that Mm -hmm. of the intensity part, but I think this is when we try to talk about gluttony as the sin or passion, um, it is it is more about options or variety or um, just kind of the romantic idea that something better could exist or mm-hmm. that this what is happening now is not enough um, right i like
1: i, I, liked I like the use of the word romantic too because i mm-hmm. think even though on some enneagrams they call the 4 a romantic i think in a lot of ways a 7 is in some ways, more. I mean, well, I guess it doesn't have to be more or less or whatever. But they're they're mm-hmm. seeking for this ideal, uh, way of being or the ideal reality is a constant romanticization of re- reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the variety is important. Um, and and so when he says the lusty, is that the so you're talking about eights? Uh, the eights. Mm-hmm. So the eights are more willing to just have more of the same. Is that what he said? More energy,
0: more space, more all the things, I think. But just not that in this, forward but, motion.
1: But not necessarily variety. The eights. Yeah, I don't think as much. Okay. Yeah. The seven sevens are more than just open-minded and exploratory. Their search for experience takes them characteristically from an insufficient here to a promising Mm -hmm. there. I love that so much. So good. Their their search, I'm going to read it again. Their search takes them from an insufficient here to a promising there. The insatiability of the glutton is, however, veiled over by an apparent satisfaction. That's super important. Or more precisely said, frustration is hidden behind enthusiasm an enthusiasm that seems to compensate for dissatisfaction as well as keeping the experience of frustration away from the sevens awareness. So uh, I love the way he puts that, that it's um, that the insatiability um, that there is this like veil of seeming satisfaction, but it's really kind of this, coping shell that they put on. And yeah, I can mm-hmm. feel it. Um, I think especially in sexual sevens, you can kind of feel that thing that they're putting on to make it okay, make it okay. And they kind of you can sort of feel the tap dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I do think there's a I think there's a certain I don't think they think it's okay to be dissatisfied or something. It's like, I mean, I guess it's that running from pain thing. Like so there's this you know, they're always kind well. Of ultimately,
0: in. the promising there is always going to be he- here. <laughs> like
1: the promising the there is a, is uh,
0: you're always going to arrive to, and it's always going to be insufficient. And so you're constantly you're constantly disappointed, living somewhere where that's not here. And so it's a constant disappointment, I would think, because ultimately, whenever you arrive, it is now. <laughs> Right, It is here, which is always feels insufficient. Always. Ooh, um, that's a hard one.
1: That's a hard one. And I would think that a, a very rigorous meditation practice would help that because you would mm-hmm. just start to realize that all these thoughts you're having are about how you're going to form the future. How are you going to change it, fix it, form it, make it better? And you can watch yourself doing that and then realize like, okay, drop it, drop back, drop back, Mm -hmm. drop, stop, empty, 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 and see Mm -hmm. if you can get to like just this non-fixing present self that just is sitting with it and not even thinking about what's next.
0: Yeah.
1: Hard. That's
0: hard for them. I'm
1: sure. Gosh.
0: Hard for any of us, quite honestly. True.
1: But if it's your true. fixation, my gosh. Yes. Um. um, let's see, what else did I underline for um so whether in the question of food or other realms, the gluttony of the glutton is typically not for the common, but for the mm-hmm. but on the contrary, for that which is most remarkable for the extraordinary. In line with this is the characteristic interest in what is magical or esoteric itself. A manifestation of a broader interest in what is remote, either geographically, culturally, or at the fringes of knowledge. So mm-hmm. it's that that I think things being on the edge, things being esoteric, all that feels like adventure, and it feels mm, like possibility, probably mm-hmm. right.
0: And that it, it feels to me from the sevens we've talked to that all of that ordinary is a trap. Or it can be a trap or Mm -hmm. they feel like it will be a trap um, if they get taken up with the, with the ordinary.
1: I guess this is is where fours and sevens really meet, right? This is where fours and sevens really meet. Yeah.
0: You have a lot in common, I think here.
1: Yes. That avoidance Mm -hmm. of the basic. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're avoiding the basic for different reasons. Me so that I can feel special and a seven so that they can avoid pain. Yeah yeah sure. um hedonistic permissiveness and i think this is where a lot of sevens that i know get defensive um because mm-hmm. they don't want to be perceived this way um but it's uh it's a pleasure bias um that's an avoidance of suffering um a permissiveness and a self-indulgence um Next page, a characteristic laissez-faire attitude towards others. Such permissiveness sometimes even becomes complicity when gluttons seductively become friends of other people's vices. I think this is very important. So if you're permissive with yourself, he's calling this section hedonistic permissiveness. A seven is permissive with themselves because that feels more fun and better and easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, it feels le- more painless, right? And in order to, to make that work, they they know subconsciously that they have to be very permissive with all the people in their lives. Because if they're not permissive with the people in their lives, then those people might not be permissive with them. And that would be a lack of freedom, a lack of of you know uh, a lack of freedom and so Mm -hmm. most sevens I know are very not all of them but a lot of them are very permissive with with but I like the way it's like seductively become friends with other people's vices it just gives them room it gives a seven room to misbehave and do what they want gives them freedom
0: right and that's It it could be a little bit of the over there-ness that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when someone is not kind of following the rules or in the ordinary, it looks kind of sexy for them. That that's something that feels expansive, I would guess, when someone is not, um, doesn't feel buttoned down or um, ordinary, that if you, those vices of others would feels seductive if you're looking for something that is not um, that is not ordinary that is not just
1: here and doing the thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah Um, I I kind of wonder like when I I can't help but think about my mother in this way because I don't I wouldn't characterize her this way I don't think she's I don't think she's really, I wouldn't call her permissive with others. You know, I don't, I think she's not permissive with herself and she's not permissive with others. And um, so I don't really understand where that fits. I don't feel that kind of hedonistic side of her as a seven. Yeah. Like, I don't feel that at all. And, you know, so Rachel's like, oh, she's probably a social seven. And that's why she feels that way. And I don't know, but, um, right. but that's just my experience. And I've been round and round with her. With her about her being a seven or an eight, and she's really feels she's a seven. But, um, well, she the second part of this that second paragraph mm-hmm.
0: feels a lot like her. You know, this he also says that it indirectly impacts their exaggerated sense of okayness that the individual mm-hmm. develops as a protection of hedonism against pain and frustration. So, their optimistic attitude that not only makes them and others okay, but the whole world a good one to live in. In some cases, we may speak of a cosmic okayness in which the individual's contentedness is supported by a view of the world in which there is no good or evil, no guilt, no shoulds, no duties, no need to make any efforts for it is enough to enjoy. So that isn't also a kind of um, hedonism as he's saying that Uh it's all good kind of thing or it's they're reframing to make it mm. all good according to their um, dreams, which we yes. talked about a little earlier. That's another um, kind of living into that kind of seductive point of view that discounts the now, the ordinary when you, mm-hmm. when there is that cosmic okayness or everything's good, it's all good. That's it's, nuance but that is a different kind of i think hedonism in the way he's talking about it
1: um, uh-huh.
0: because right. it ignores it it ignores the the ordinary and the ordinary involves pain and suffering and things that are not okay
1: um right yeah
0: right. so it's kind of an optimistic attitude at all costs that's the seductive the seductive piece for them for that yeah.
1: that bent yeah um next next category is rebelliousness which is um good i uh, underline seven mm-hmm. people the ad- ideologists of revolutions <sighs> rather than the activists so the ideologists of teeth. revolutions rather than the activists so they're very good at coming up with the ideas and dreaming the new world and talking us into their dreams and the new world. And then they're also very good at getting um, everyone to actually do, do those dreams for them. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, mm-hmm. they're in that head triad and they come up with all of it, talk us into it and then have their, uh, have all their, um, I don't want to call them. I'm trying to think of a word of all the people that kind of work for you. Little Your,
0: worker bees, or I yeah, don't know, yeah. Um, well, we just join on, join in, we because do I think join there's, there's something in all of us that would like
1: their their world. world. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We, we want it to be. We want to feel better, and we want the world to be better. And so they, we do. We are enamored with this vision. We do want right. to join. And a lot of times, I mean, that's what I will say is when it works out. You're so grateful for them, you know, like when they- you've somehow allowed your restraints to fall
0: away. Exactly. You know, I think that's why I've always been drawn to seven because it kind of gets me out of my rut. Right. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's their it's their rut that I'm hopping into. Um, <laughs> that's fun. It does get me out of mine. That's good. That's, that's good. We feel restrained. Um, um Beneath that is kind of where um, I got that word diplomatic. He says the Neotype 7 is typically not, typically not oriented towards authorities. It might be said that the glutton has learned early in life that there is no good authority, yet they adopt towards authority an attitude that is diplomatic rather than oppositional. Right. I guess because oppositional wouldn't get them their dreams most Definitely. of the time, right? They just kind of... Um, Find a way around it, in yeah. a diplomatic way, and there it's squishy like that. It's hard to, it's hard to put your finger on it. Like mm-hmm. as, um, like the, a lot of the sevens that work with me, um, man, it's tricky. It's tricky to figure out how to, um, how to fit them inside the rules. They find their way in in a very diplomatic way before you know you've been kind of gotcha <laughs> That oh <laughs> shoot, you know. Yeah. Because they, it there it is an opposition though, but they do it diplomatically, and you're not going to tell them what to do. But they're going, you're not going to realize that they're saying you're not going to tell me what to do.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. They're b- kind of brilliant Tricky. at it. It's um Ugh, so hard. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think to be oppositional is just to. That's to that's not say That's not good for them. Like they don't, that's not appealing. They don't want that mm-hmm. kind of direct uh, opposing or the fight or the conflict. So they're going to make, they're going to get their way or get, uh, get their own, do it in their own way or do it with their own rules or outside of the rules. But you're like, you're saying that you're not going to really I- notice it. Um, because it's kind of coded in that charlatanism, you know, their opposition is, has the,
0: a coding of what we just talked about that we're all, we all want to get on board with it. It makes, you know, and then before you know it, you're on board and they don't have to follow the rules. Right. right? So it's this interesting. They're really good at that. They're They're really good
1: good at that. Um, Um, and let's see, uh, my favorite. Quality. Um, an aspect of implicit rebellion is the fact that the type seven individual mostly lives in a non-hierarchical psychological environment, just as any type six perceives himself exaggeratedly in terms of his relationship to superiors and inferiors, type seven is equalitarian in her approach to people. Neither does she take authority too seriously for this would militate against her self-indulgence, permissiveness, lack of guilt, and superiority, nor does she present to others as an authority, um, except in a covert way, which we're saying, um, which (laughs) seeks to impress while at the same time, assuming the garb of modesty. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Garb of modesty. That's a good one.
1: So that's a complicated thing because when, when I, I, one of my favorite qualities in a seven is this kind of non-hierarchical quality of them. And um, they really do kind of see um, everybody as kind of on the equal footing and, and part of the soup and part of the texture and the quilt of life. And uh, all, everybody is part of the, the dream and everybody can be used for the dream or, but, you know, brought on to the dream. And so the good side of that is that they're not really um, snobs and they're not really putting themselves over or under people. They're just kind of trying to enact this vision and they see all people as possible parts of that vision. And that can feel really um, democratic and nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I if I like... they do, do their part, I think that's yeah. like, if they do,
0: you know, so I think part of what um, what he's saying there is there is that non-hierarchical um, ideal, but we all have to do kind of the painful schlep of right now. And sevens find a way to kind of
1: get out of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, they find a way to a get out of times, it. A lot of times they find a way to get out of it, but, but in getting out of it, they're getting into more dissatisfaction. I mean, they, it's a trick. It's a trick. They trick. They think they're avoiding, they think they're getting out of it. They think they're circumventing the rules or the present mundanity, but really that constant, what did he say? The future. the future Mm -hmm. possibility always moving to that is gonna always calling 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 it's gonna um it's a dissatisfaction machine Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah that's good um lack of discipline which is another trait i think that people the sevens i know push back on some of Mm -hmm. them not all of them um so manifest through a lack of discipline instability lack of commitment and the dilettante features of type seven. <laughs> the, um, uh, the committed attitude of an enjoyer. I like that, an enjoyer. Yeah. The committed attitude of an enjoyer. That's well said. Um, the lack of discipline in this character is a consequence of his interest in not postponing pleasure, and at a deeper level rests on the perception of pleasure postponement as lovelessness. And that's very important. So, pleasure postponement as lovelessness, and I have to say, as an addict, I, I respond to that very deeply, and because I think mm-hmm. that in the search for wholeness and love, um, pleasure becomes a real trap of of trying to fill, fill that, uh, cover over it. Um, numb yourself to that that gnawing in yourself and Mm -hmm. so um, I feel like in a lot of ways sevens are really good at setting up a system and being in the head triad helps them do that setting up a whole system of pain avoidance with no pleasure postponement so that they almost don't even get to the gnawing I mean, they do eventually when they crash, but that doesn't always mm-hmm. happen. And mm-hmm. so there's almost like they're they're kind of unaware of that gnawing in themselves. They're just are they're just not postponing the pleasure. They're they're on this wheel of not doing it because they're trying to avoid pain. But a lot of times they don't even know. Like if you right. say to a seven, "Hey, you're a pain avoider," they're like, "What?" You know what I mean? Right. Like sometimes they're not right. aware that that's actually what they're doing because they've been so good at it for so long. Um, whereas well, if a- you
0: tied that, that search, that hamster wheel to mm-hmm. love, or even if they don't realize they're doing it, but a place where, you know, just like, I think I'm going to find this psychic ease when I am completely at peace at some point, they think I'm sure it's the next thing, the um, next option, what's around the bend, the thing they're dreaming, the thing they're planning is where they're going to feel settled finally. Mm-hmm. And so if it's if it's not here but it's always there here and being disciplined in the now if that feels like a lack of love because you're convinced that love is around the corner, that's hard.
1: Really hard. Even if
0: they're not con- aware that they've tied the two together i think they're they're in search of it they're in search of it in search of it in search of it and so to be in the ordinary and do all of the things here if that feels that feels like you're not going to get the love that you need yeah to them on some level is what he's
1: saying yeah oh yeah pleasure postponement as lovelessness Mm -hmm. um Future orientation um, for through an identification with plan and ideals. The seven seems to live imaginatively in them rather than in down to earth reality. I guess that's just more of what we're saying. It's under the section called imaginary wish fulfillment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, did you have anything underlined there? Um I have. Uh, gluttons
0: usually have a futuristic orientation for through an identification with plans and ideas yeah. But they yeah, um, are a reality that's not harsh to the rest of us, right? So it's a way of them escaping a harsh realities of life. And one of the things that I always think that is good to remember for us is that what is harsh to sevens is not mm. harsh to the rest of us. Yes. So are they're, they're escaping but what is, it's kind of like me in peace, right? Like mm. that, whatever I think conflict is, it's not even remotely conflict to the rest of you. Um, whatever, uh, you know, we've decided in our minds takes away from our search for wholeness. Yeah, um, They've decided that a lot of things are harsh that are just life, you know? Yes, that's, yes. You know, um, and that's, I think, similar to a four, right? That the, yeah. mm-hmm. That those things are just going to bury you and you're not going to get to be authentic because you're going to be stuck in the treasury of everydayness. Mm -hmm. And same for them, The the things that they define as a harsh reality, we we would have to ask them and we might be surprised at what harsh quote unquote actually means.
1: Yeah. And I think the difference there for seven differences that for four, it's not the harsh reality. It's the kind of, boring or mundane boring. reality, right? And mm-hmm. for, and I think for sevens it's boring too, but harsh is more the seven thing, right? Cause I mean, I think a a four is not concerned about harsh or non-harsh. Because
0: actually if you, if you could see it as harsh, it would feel it not feel good
1: probably. right right because right. it would be textured that, yeah exactly so harsh mm-hmm. is not the buzzword for four but it is i think for seven i think boring is where we come together you know we mm-hmm. both are mm-hmm. scared of boring and they um, might define boring as harsh exactly exactly yeah. um yeah yep okay okay um seductively pleasing on top of page 119 um eminently seductive and is bent on pleasing through helpfulness and a problem-free cheerful contentedness um the amiable aspect of this character is alluded to by such descriptors as warm helpful friendly obliging selflessly ready to serve generous very generous sevens are very generous gluttons are very good hosts and can be great spenders in the degree to which generosity is a part of seductiveness and a way of buying love rather than of true giving, it is counterbalanced in the psyche of the glutton with its corresponding opposite, a hidden but effective exploitiveness that may manifest as a parasitic tendency and perhaps in feelings of entitlement to care and affection. I don't. Very
0: think... too like.
1: Yeah, that, that's complicated. Mm -hmm. um I do think this is where I feel my mother is very much on in this one so she is a very good host she is as cheerful contentedness very helpful um bent on a problem free you know pleasing all that stuff um and I think it's like I think that is her engine, honestly. And I actually mm-hmm. think that the help, so that that's where she does look like a two because it's like helpfulness is a way of avoiding sitting with herself. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it is, you cannot tell a seven that the way they're spending time is not valuable. So because it has virtue, in other words, giving and helpfulness and all that stuff, because it's virtuous, quote, virtuous, then it's a valid way to, uh, to avoid. Do you know Mm what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, you can't convince a seven that they're avoiding because they're so helpful. And they're so busy being helpful and it's so great. And all their helpfulness is making the world better and it's getting all the stuff done. And everybody's, you know, like it wouldn't happen if they weren't, if they weren't help helping in that way, it wouldn't happen because all the rest of us are sitting around. So, uh, they've convinced themselves of the virtue of that. And therefore it makes it double hard to uncover the, that, um, that, that emptying of self in time and space, you know, it's just to, it makes it even trickier to get, to even know what that empty self is Uh, because that's what they're trying to avoid. I think maybe.
0: Well, and I think also this particular trait of seductive pleasing also, going back, the word charlatan is funny. I don't think I've ever said it so many times. But it is kind of that hook for us, similar to a two, mm-hmm. um, that makes it hard. So in this space of being helpful, friendly, obliging, selfless, mm-hmm. generous, mm-hmm. and their general um, kind of, um, what is he, kind of cheerful, humorous, entertaining, kind of self that they're carrying around Mm -hmm. when they are all of that. We, it is harder, I think for us to tell them that their interpretation of reality is not the full interpretation. Mm -hmm. I think that it kind of gets us on board with them. um, And it's, so it services them to write reality the way they want it to. Like it's in service to, um, to their, Goal of not being here in the ordinary, even if it seems like they're doing the ordinary, yeah, doing the serving and doing all of that, right? Because underneath it, there is a seductiveness of like almost charming us all into um then going along with their what did he call it earlier, their um dreams for reality right <laughs> but it's harder for us to push back against this right because
1: they're um, so they're working so hard they're working yeah. so hard and they're being so charming about it and they kind of use the hard work and the charm to in a way make make, make you know just go
0: along with them
1: and feel guilty if we're not you know yeah um, i me, mean it's I know- similar to the two like mm-hmm
0: that virtue thing of they help, don't have any needs yeah mm-hmm. it's just interesting um it's it's a um it is an armor that's hard to push against when someone's being of
1: service really hard to push against especially when they're charming especially when they're <laughs> charming yes it's I I think it's uh it is a it's uh uh it's unmountable. I I can't think of the word. It's unbreachable. Like I can't, I can't, I can't breach it. I've spent my life trying. I can't breach it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an, it's an impenetrable. That's what my word was. Um, the good humor of seven makes other people feel lighted up in their presence. That's Exactly. And this contributes effectively to the pleasure they cause and the attractiveness of being near to them to the extent that happiness is at least in part seductive and definitely compulsive. The happy bias of a seven, as isn't as in the case of the three, is maintained at the expense of the repression and avoidance of pain and results in an, an impoverishment of experience. So mm-hmm. this is what. This is another thing that feels impenetrable to me because how can you tell someone who is addicted to variety and and pleasure and and all these things um, intensity, you know, that they have an impoverishment of experience, you know, and um i I think it's pretty pretty hard for them to see that when you are managing fixing and creating reality all the time for yourself and everyone else you're it's hard to not believe in it and 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 step back and say uh maybe my maybe my take on this is wrong or maybe it's not wrong but it's not all the way it's not all the things either like maybe it's more expansive maybe the dream is more it's different or it's subtler or it's quieter or it's slower you know and I think but so what happens is the we can't we can't someone when you love a seven you try to tell them and they can't hear it so you stop trying to tell them and that's why there's impoverishment of experience because there are people who've stopped trying to to Mm -hmm. reach you um yeah I mean do you agree with that
0: yeah I mean I that part I haven't had as much experience with I don't have as many sevens in my life as you do when I read Impoverishment of Experience, um, what I think about with sevens is this happy bias that they think is the greatest good, yeah, right? That they is really just a teeny tiny part of it, and they never mm. allow them actually be, um. Greatest good includes the harsh and the pain and the whole of, of this slow. Um, and how like the impoverishment of missing out really on life. And, and I think Zadie Graham is telling all of us the ways that we are asleep to life.
1: So, yes.
0: You know, that we, because we're so habitual in our decision to make, um, our wholeness in the weird ass ways that we've decided to be whole. And for them, it's that everything will be okay out there or over there. Or if I just experience this part and make reality this, when reality is a whole lot more and uh, full of goodness, even the painful parts.
1: Or just the isness of it. All of it. All of it. Just Just the being of it. I think it's just. I think it's about that reality, just is, is. and right. being and sitting with it the way it is, which is has nothing to do with any of our
0: thoughts right. about
1: it, and yeah. um, and also love just is right now.
0: Yeah, love, like, love, just love just is, is and not and reality. A, just is an adaptation of something later.
1: Right, it's not
0: where everything will be okay in the future. It's now. Right. And you miss out if you're always somewhere else or trying to fit it into your happy bias.
1: Um, yeah. So that's so I think they're related. Like the mm-hmm. way, the oh, way yeah. you're, I think I think the making over of reality in this way is what we're trying to as friends of sevens, you're trying to just say, Oh, but it's also a little bit this and then the, and so they're missing out on a broader or just more of an isness of reality. Mm -hmm. And, and then we kind of give up on trying to join them eventually. And I I do think, but I think sevens are good at um, finding new joiners in their life. So they, they kind of have a sense of when, Okay, We're this per- this person is over, is <laughs> not joining me. I'm gonna go find a new joiner and then they, they the do space,
0: a person, they- whatever it
1: is, right? And that gives variability as well, variety. Um let's see, okay, where are we? Um 120.
0: The next trait structure he says is narcissism, which is uh-huh. really quite a buzzword these days. Yes. So it makes me a little uncomfortable. Right um, from a psychological standpoint, getting into that, but
1: yeah, I hear you. We overuse the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess it's it's kind of easy. Like someone who's always trying to make reality and that construct of their reality is coming from inside their very active brain. It's right. easy to see how that lends itself to a narcissistic worldview. Right. Um.
0: In other words, he uses to describe this traitor exhibitionist, knows better, well informed, intellectually superior, um, which I think probably just about all of the headspace people have trouble this, with. Yeah, like those could all um, maybe not exhibitionist.
1: For a five. For a five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but for I think a there six. is something about those uh,
1: those descriptors and people That's that are in head their high. head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah
1: hmm um and at the bottom of that page he talks about fives um as in type five splitting allows the simultaneity of the two sub-selves yet while it is the deprecated self that is in the foreground in type five so he's talking about I, what i didn't say is that he's talking about these two selves It's kind of the the um deprecated self and the um, where, let's see, I got to get the back. glutton
0: kind of the, the self as inferior, and then also the self that's kind of the superior, the glutton or the kind of the narcissist. Okay. Um,
1: okay. Like he would describe, right. So that kind of the narcissistic superior self and the, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the insecure, um, deprecated self. So mm-hmm. he's saying that type fives and type sevens kind of have both of these going on. Um, the splitting of the two sub selves yet the deprecated self in the five is in the foreground and that makes sense yeah it wins it wins it wins, out. Yeah. It wins out on the five and the grandiose self that's a good way to put it yeah has great. The that has the upper hand in the seven so the deprecated self has the upper hand in five the grandiose self has the upper hand in seven that's interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of my favorite adjectives on page 122, 121 is Vaseline-like.
0: <laughs> At first I was like, am I misreading that? Like Vaseline? I'm like, Vaseline. Because Vaseline made sense to me. And I'm like, is there a word
1: baseline that I don't know about? Because know weird words. But oh, Vaseline is perfect. It's right? perfect in all the ways. Because you're shiny and you're shimmery. And everything and feels good and slides around, and there's nothing getting stuck anywhere, but you're slippery and you can't be caught. <laughs> yes, yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. Yes. It's so good. yes. Um,
0: um, I like the sentence after that. He says, Through charm, the glutton can satisfy their gluttony as effectively as a fisherman's su- succeeds with bait, which implies that pleasing and Charm are not just seductive but manipul- manipulative through their great charm, the glutton can enchant others and even themselves among <laughs> their skills of that of, of is that of fascination. Hypnotic mm. fascination either. Charm is their magic. That's really good. Charm is their magic. Um, that remind it, it that also feels very similar to a two and how he talked about twos that kind of seductive fishing for. Um, and getting us to do ultimately what they want us to do um, in line of their service uh, that they and they both feel we're so drawn to them
1: yes yeah Yeah, what they're both doing that and sevens Mm -hmm. out of this really aggressive um powerful place and twos are kind of um it has is really different energy um and I think, well, the but seventh... I think
0: too, that even though sevens are aggressive, I mm-hmm. like his, his, um, image of fishing because sometimes we don't really know that we are going along with them because they are so Vaseline like, right. That yeah. they are so we're drawn to them without even, they might bring a lot of energy, mm-hmm. but we don't, sometimes we don't even know. We're just like, yeah, get
1: Totally. Take that bait.
0: Take that bait. bait. Real me in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then we're like, oh crap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think enchanting is a good word. It's, enchanting is great. Seductive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, persuasiveness. Um, yeah. we we may think of type sevens as a person in whom loving, it's love seeking has turned to pleasure seeking. And who, in the necessary measure of rebellion that this entails, that's out to satisfy his wishes through becoming a skillful explainer and rationalizer. A charlatan is, of course, one who is able to persuade others of the usefulness of what he sells. So th- that's mm-hmm. a, that's using the charlatan again. And I do think mm-hmm. it it makes sense the usefulness of what he sells. Um, so this is just another way of describing this enchantment. And I, I, every seven, I know is a very skillful explainer and rationalizer and they're very good at building their case. Like if they get in a fight with someone or things get off, they're very good at building their case, like scaffolding and Mm -hmm. it can, uh, get bogged down and very, um, rational details or time frames of when it happened and who said what first and all these things that become a sidebar or just a a defensive um mode so that you're not even really talking about the hurt or the pain right. or the feelings. the feelings you're not talking about the feelings because mm. you're talking about the logistics of what went down you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, their
0: persuasiveness with, with their logic when they're backed into a corner.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charlatans like to influence others through advice. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> word, is crack- it just cracks me up. I
1: know. I, kinda mm. love- I like it. I think the, T- the T.S. Eliot is my intro to that word. I think it helps me like the word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just, I think I
0: think of it, for some reason, from as a young person, I kind of um, have the negative. Like um, I, I associate it with liar or um, kind of skeezy, um, look back. Kind of, I'm going to sell you. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, no I oceanfront
0: property in Arizona, kind of thing. Right. Um, and so, yeah, but I like I like thinking about it as kind of dreamer more of a dreamer piece I think I think about charlatan as someone who is trying to trying to maybe not trying to harm others but doesn't really care at all if they're what they're selling leaves other people in the dust right or what they're up to harms other people
1: right and I at don't least think... that's
0: my my yeah. baggage with
1: it and I I think I agree with you and I think that every seven I know uh, really wants to to sell you something good, and mm-hmm. they want they want to improve the world, and they want mm-hmm. everything to be good, and you to be good, and everyone to be happy, and everyone to be doing their best. And so it's not that they're trying to sell you bad goods; it's just that the they have convinced themselves that the goods are good, yeah. and may and they and we may not feel that they're good, and they may right. not be able okay. to see how they're not good for us you know mm-hmm. so there's a real yeah. difference there because oh, the mo- their motivation i think is typically um very benevolent
0: well and they're looking for love yeah I mean, ultimately at the end of this yes whatever is around the corner will be where they feel loved
1: and whole um, along with the manipulative motivation to influence others we may consider the high intelligence, high verbal activity, mm-hmm. capability of suggesting, and so forth that usually characterize seven. So, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I feel that a lot. Um, yeah this the fraudulence is the next next Last section. One. Last one. Um, I thought that the we have discussed the polarity of feeling okay and better than okay and of being at the same time driven by an oral passion to suck at the best of life (laughs) like that. Um, uh, A confusion between imagination and reality between projects and accomplishments. That's good. Yeah. Potentialities and realizations.
0: Then we have encountered
1: a pleasingness, a persona hiding anxiety. Yes. That's really important. A persona hiding anxiety. Yeah. which they cannot admit to themselves a smoothness hiding aggression a smoothness hiding aggression a generosity hiding exploitativeness really powerful
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah
0: that's they're all just ways of we I mean, not all just ways but that's another way of that they buy into their story. Yeah. They buy into it, that their um, projects and accomplishments get mixed up. Realities and potential get mixed up. Um, yeah. And
1: the last part, um, do you want to read anything?
0: Um,
1: I have,
0: uh, 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 of course we may attempt, we may a- we may understand gluttony as an t- attempt to fill emptiness, which is what we're all doing. there using gluttony um, and gluttony fraudulently covers up the insufficiency with the false abundance. So it doesn't, it's not working.
1: Right. Then
0: that third paragraph, uh, he talks about the confusion between love and pleasure fails to bring about the deeper meaningfulness, meaningfulness, than that of the immediate available. A sense of inner scarcity is also, of course, supported by alienation of the individual from his experiential death, which would be now, in the now, which mm-hmm. occurs as a consequence of the hedonistic need to be to experience only what is pleasing. It is nurtured also by the implicit fear that permeates the enneotype in its soft accommodatingness a fear not compatible with living one's true life. It is also supported by the manipulativeness, which just as in type eight presupposes the loss of true relationship and divorcing of oneself from a sense of community by the fraudulent sense of community. Um, that is part of seductive charm. So
1: that's, it's really, lot. it's a lot, but I think, I think it's, we should try to unpack it because I think this concept of a fraudulent sense of community um, okay. is really important. So, a divorcing of oneself from a sense of community by the fraudulent sense of community.
0: However, however much it's masked, however much their sense of lack is masked by their amiability, their cheerfulness, their mm-hmm. okayness, mm-hmm. Um, ultimately they don't have. I think maybe kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, Elizabeth, that. Because they're so Vaseline-like, um, it's hard to kind of get in there
1: to yeah. the so you kind s- of, of you... the
0: slipperiness of that. The charm of who they are
1: mm-hmm. makes it
0: hard to take the whole reality of yourself to them mm-hmm. or to know the whole reality of who they are. And there's not a lot of community in that if they're always um, o- the okayness of everything or
1: and that um, in a a real sense of community comes from that mutuality mm -hmm. of um, Mm -hmm. still awkward slow painful whatever you know all kinds of moments that happen between two people and groups of people and that cannot be hopscotched over and covered over with family photos or Instagram posts of everybody having a great time or big family celebration holidays that, you know, where no one's really having fun, but you can tell yourself that it's fun. Like Mm -hmm. those, those are, those are just kind of some examples of a fraudulent sense of community. And I do think that the, that sevens cling to it. Like it's really important to them. The concept of community is important to them. The concept of loyalty and family and all of that is really important. And so they're managing it in this way through events and parties and, you know, photographs. That, of, it, yeah. yeah. Exp- that, that doesn't, include the grit, um, that holds the bricks on the wall. You know, it's like, it's, it's, I'm not saying that sevens are not capable of, of making that happen, but I think typically they confuse the fun Thanksgiving gathering for deep relationship or for
0: love and for love um if you have decided in your head this ideal of what will make you feel loved as the experience that's around the bend or whatever imaginative dreamy experience you've cooked up in your head then you you actually don't ever give your chance yourself the chance to be loved or to receive love um because we all know the moments that we've probably felt the most loved is when we are at our most vulnerable or maybe not at our best for sure, but that's when we really get to experience what it means to be loved or be reminded of that. And it seems to me with their equating, um, equating lovelessness with the ordinary mm-hmm. that, that this piece is, it's, it's hard. The communal piece is hard for them because it is, it's something else. It's something that's not here yet. It's this ideal.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, we the, actually will never make for them. I don't, that can't be. Yeah. I mean, the, the moment I think where I felt the deepest connection with my mother, and I think she would agree that she felt the deepest connection with me. So there was not a there was real community in this moment was when she had had surgery two summers ago and she was septic and she was on I mean maybe looking like she was not going to make it, and it was in the middle of COVID. And I had a lot of misgivings about getting on an airplane and all of that to go into a hospital and like bring this world to her, you know, like I didn't feel like my presence there would be, I thought it was unsafe for me Mm -hmm. to go, not for myself, but for herself and for the hospital. Uh Yeah. And so I, anyway, I ended up going because I, I, everyone talked me into it and, um, And also I was scared she was going to die, honestly. Mm -hmm. and So at that Mm -hmm. point it was like, okay. Um, But I had to like carry her into the bathtub and bathe her and pour water over her and, you know, rub her. And she could not, she was so weak and um, Mm -hmm. she was at my, she couldn't, she was, absolutely she was dependent, he was dependent on me and I loved her and she, she felt that love. And she talks about it to this day of feeling the love in that moment so intensely. And so that's like, I mean, that's all we're saying in this whole podcast yeah. really is that, yes. that we love the seven even though all the words we're using, these are not our words. These are Naranjo's words. It sounds like we don't love seven, but we love the sevens in our life because they bring this beautiful, mm-hmm. ideal world and they believe in that world and they want to make that world happen now. Right. And we love them. And we're really only able to truly love them when they can let us, which means um, a lot of a lot of things have to settle down and stop. What I was just saying to you is that my mom, um, she had some friends in her life who kind of like it when she's sick um, because then they, they feel she's more accessible and that really hurts her. And so what I'm, mm. I'm not, what I want to say here is that I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I obviously do not want my mother to be sick. Um, I, want her to be well. Um, and so my story, I just want to be clear that my story is not about wanting her to be weak or sick. I want her to be whole and completely herself. And what you were just saying, what were you saying?
0: Well, I was just saying, it sounds like how y'all talked about it since that it was, Um, that in somehow for you, it captured that ability to connect to her, but also for her, she felt really loved. Um, So I think it's almost, I mean, that's a pretty extreme example, obviously of building those um, spaces of uh, opening yourself for love. But if sevens can find those spaces in their life or in their story and settle into um, where the things were not okay or not the dreamed up vision of what they imagined love would be, but they experience the depth of love in those messy moments. That's I think where they have to kind of burrow, burrow in right to remind Mm -hmm. themselves that it is, here in the harsh in the, um, however ordinary, whatever they describe it as, but that she, that was a meaningful place of being for her. It sounds like to me, even with, even with all of the other hard, horrible things that were happening, um, that connection and openness and care between the two of you, um, in some ways kind of eclipses in a different way <laughs> of what a is seven, right? But that- Yes. You know? Yes. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Thank you, Lee. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a little girl, our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced to the burning building out of the pavement. And I stood there shivering in my pajamas and watched the whole world go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is, is, that all there is? if that's all there Break out the booze